Lord, thank you so much for this morning, and already we feel you moving upon our hearts, God. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you that your grace is upon us, and Lord, that you are here. God, we feel you, and your spirit is already upon us, and we pray now as we open your word that you continue to speak, continue to move, and transform us, Lord. God, I pray that your word would come alive, and we ask your Holy Spirit to not just anoint this time, but give us understanding, Lord. Help us to, to, to see what you're saying on the pages of this book we're holding. And Lord, may you speak greatly into our lives that we may change, that we may live for you and love you more. So we ask, God, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch this time, speak to us now, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Hey, here's some Confucius says jokes, okay? Get ready. Get ready to laugh, okay? Confucius says, man who runs in front of car gets tired. Come on. I like these. Man, uh, Confucius says, man who runs behind car gets exhausted. Man who gets hit by car gets that run-down feeling. I know, they're bad, but I like corny jokes. Yeah, all right, I'll stop. No, one more, okay. Confucius says, man who eat many prunes get good run for money. <laughs> Actually, we know Confucius. Yeah, he's known for his wise saying, his wisdom, philosophy, and there's actually some real ones out there, right? Like he said, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Hmm, yeah, that's good. How about this one? Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig, dig two graves. That's true, isn't it? How about this? Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. Now, I like that one because that's actually in the Bible. Proverbs 24, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up. Uh, one more here, Confucius had said, for real, to know what you know and to know what you don't know, that is real wisdom. I like that. There's some wise sayings of different people who lived on this earth and gone before us, but can we really find real wisdom for our life from Confucius or anyone like that? No. True wisdom can only come from who? God himself, right? From the word, the Bible that we hold. Well, as we continue our study through this book of 1 Corinthians, we come to this place where we see wisdom for our lives is, you know where? It's number one found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And because that's where we find salvation from God, and that's really the beginning of our lives, of why we're here, our purpose and our motives. And we also see in our passage this morning, it's the Holy Spirit himself who reveals the wisdom of God. So I titled our message this morning, Finding Divine Wisdom. Finding Divine Wisdom. This morning we're going to be going through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the whole chapter. We did two messages in chapter 1 the last few weeks, but now we've come to chapter 2 as we make our way verse by verse, chapter by chapter through this book. And we're going to cover the whole chapter from verse 1 through 16. So 1 Corinthians 2. Now, 
In this chapter, we're going to see three things. Uh, this is our outline. Number one, fi we find wisdom really in the message of God. Number two, in the plan of God. And number three, through the Spirit of God. So we have the message of God, plan of God, and through the Spirit of God. So let's begin here now. Number one, in our outline, in the message of God. Finding divine wisdom, we're in the message of God, number one. Take a look with me here now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It reads, And I, brethren, when I came to you, when I came to you, did not, what happened? And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. So we begin here, Paul is writing, and he says, And I. I, Paul the Apostle, continues to write on how God's wisdom and ways look like foolishness to this world. In the first two messages we saw, and if you missed it, you can grab the CD, Paul had brought up some issues, some concerns of him in this letter. Right away he had brought up these contentions and divisions that were going on in the church. So Paul was addressing how these guys are lining up and making clicks, yeah, under like Paul or, or Apollos, even Peter. But Paul's saying, hey, it's not about personalities here. It's not about who baptized you or, or who can speak better. It's about Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus who died on the cross for us. Now, Paul went on to talk about the gospel is like foolishness, or we define that word in the Greek as nonsense to the world. It's foolishness to the world, 1 Corinthians 1.18. Why? Because they look at this, this salvation. They look at the cross. They look at it with human wisdom, in their logic, in their human philosophy. So then Paul even said, even the world sees those who are saved or being used by God as foolish things of the world. And that's what we ended with last time. So it's not about personalities. It's not about how God, how, how the world sets its values and standards and how it, they look at things. But it's all about Jesus and it's all about what he did for our salvation. So... Here in verse 1, in Ch Corinthians chapter 2, Paul goes on here. He says, and I, he says, look, when I came to you, and when you're, what he's talking about is that second missionary journey in Acts 18 when he came to the city of Corinth and he shared the gospel. He came with the testimony of God, sharing about Jesus Christ here. He said, you know, when I came to you, it wasn't done with the excellency of speech or of wisdom. I like how the NLT renders this. It says, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom. So as he's going on here in chapter 2, he's saying, you know, even I, when I came and spoke to you, yeah, it wasn't like fancy words, fancy things, you know, to get people to follow me. I didn't come as like this philosopher, yeah. I came as a witness to Jesus Christ. No, not at all. That's not the way I came, trying to persuade you and manipulate you with all this speech. No, 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 that's not the way I came. You know how he came? Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Paul was determined to talk about nothing else except Jesus crucified on the cross. Now, he's really repeating what he said. I mean, if, remember, if you take a look at 1 Corinthians 1, 23, just, just take a look at verse 23 in chapter 1. What did he say? But we preach what? Christ. He's repeating what he said. Paul is saying, look, when I came to you, I wasn't trying to say all this fancy stuff, but I focus on one thing, the gospel that saves people. What is that? The cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so he goes on here in verse 3. He says, look, I, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Verse 4, and he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. We'll pause right there. Okay, Paul's like saying, you know what? I came to you when I came and I shared a gospel. When I stood before you and I spoke to you guys, when I taught you guys, I came, I like verse 3, in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. Now, many of the commentators look at this and, and, and they say, well, uh, maybe it was this weakness, this trembling. Maybe it was because right before he came to this city of Corinth, he had been beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. Then he was chased out of uh, Thess Thessalonica and even Berea. And he was rejected just before this in Athens when he tried to witness Jesus. All that before he came to Corinth. So maybe he felt a little, hmm, not sure what's going to happen here. But other commentators feel, no, Paul's never like that. He's bold. He's always speaking. He's always right there. No, many of the commentators believe that when he says he came in weakness and fear, he came in respect. Yeah? He came with this deep concern not to taint the message that it was all about Jesus. That he came not, not in his own strength, but really relying upon the Lord. Many believe that. I think that's what it is. You can study it for yourself. I think because even in verse 4, he says, and you know what, what I talked about, my speech, my preaching were not like persuasive words. They weren't like words of what human wisdom, you know, what, what philosophers and wise guy, people are saying. I didn't come in that same manner. He didn't come with like being this powerful speaker, this debater ready to take on the city. No, Paul did not come as some heavyweight among uh, some other traveling speakers, secular or, or not, that they would come into cities and talk in that way. Warren Wiersbe said, Paul did not depend on eloquent speech or clever arguments. I like that. Wiersbe went on to say, he was an um, ambassador, not a Christian salesman. I like that. So Paul says, no, I didn't come in that way to you. I didn't come in like the way the world does. I didn't come in some powerful guy coming here, pressing this upon you. No, you know how he came? In that weakness, in that trembling, in that, in that humble way he came. You know how he really came? Look at the rest of verse 4. But this is the way he came. In the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I love that. 
it, this inspires me. It's always been one of my favorite verses, me as, as a pastor. And I just love how Paul came in that way. It was all about Jesus and about, all about the, the Spirit moving. Paul preached Jesus crucified. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is seen working powerfully in that, in that message of God. This is the message of God, Christ crucified, and it comes with power because of the Holy Spirit. Paul preached Jesus, and as he preached Jesus, the Corinthians' faith was not put in. Paul, this is Paul said, I came with Jesus so that your faith should not be put in the wisdom of men. Like, not any man, not what a person is saying. You don't start looking at, to that guy. You don't start saying, oh, the, oh I'm going to have faith in what he says. No. Paul comes with the word of God, the message of God, and the power of the Spirit. So people would put their faith, not in Paul, but in Jesus. That it would all be about Jesus. Because the power of God to save a life, a power of God to change a life, it's only through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. And that's the wisdom of God, you guys. The cross is the wisdom of God. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying that all this. He's saying, I did not come with some eloquent, fancy speech, but with the message of God that powerfully saves you. He's reminding the Corinthians here, right? Having these, these divisions lining up underneath some personality. Paul says, no, it's not about that. It's not about me. It's not about anyone. It's about that message of God. Paul's saying, I didn't come to you with some fancy speech so you would follow me. No, but with the message of God that powerfully saves. What's Paul doing? He's pointing to Jesus, right? He's pointing to Jesus. He's saying, as we learned before, line up against Jesus, uh, under Jesus. Line up under Jesus. It's not some personality or some guy or I'm with this person, I'm with that, I'm with that person no it's not that at all paul says i did not come with some eloquent speech but the message of god that powerfully saves many years uh, ago long long time ago i remember i was introduced uh, to a man who would regularly go street witnessing down in mexico and as soon as i shook his hand and met him he immediately pulled out his wallet, and out of his wallet, he pulled out this small card, like, like a size of a business card. And on this business card were a bunch of hash marks. You know, you go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, a whole bunch of hash marks. And one side was filled, and he flipped it over, and the other side was getting filled, and a white, empty space was getting less and less there. Well, he explained to me that each mark is a person that I have led to Jesus. Well, you know, at first I was like, wow. At first I was even convicted. I go, oh, I, I don't go out like that. I need to share Jesus more. But then later I started thinking about it after, you know, a week or so later. I go, why is the first thing you shake his hand is he pulls out the card and look what I did. Yeah. Look what I've done. I mean, praise the Lord, however, and I, I you know, but... You know, I, in my mind, I thought, well, I don't want to be like that. You know, look what I did. Look, look, promoting himself there. Promoting himself that people would look at him and go, wow, so great. Give, uh, what's your technique? Wow, putting faith and how he does things and all that. 
you know, maybe it's, he did really pray for all these people, but did he force them? Did he just put it upon them? You know, is it real? Are each one of those hash marks that represents a person, has each one of those persons, are they still walking with the Lord? You know, the thing, I, I, even me, I, 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 I made me think like, you know, I don't ever really want to say like, well, I, you know, led these people to Jesus. Am I the one who saves? No. God saves. He's the one, right? That's why Paul is standing and he's telling or he's writing this letter and he's saying, I did not come with some eloquent speech to get you to look at me, to follow me. No, but with the message of God. I shared the testimony. I was a witness. I'm an ambassador because it's that message of God that powerfully saves. It's Jesus, right? How about you? When you share the gospel, or maybe you serve in Kiki Church and you teach the kids, or maybe you have other opportunities where you do Bible study or you share with other people the word of God. How do you share that? Is it, is it to make yourself look good? Is it so that people would follow you and look to you? Oh, oh wow, this guy, wow. Yeah. Why do you teach? Is it, or is it for Jesus? Remember Paul was saying, hey, if I don't teach this way, I think it was in our last chapter, that there's no power in it, yeah? The power is in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, if in your heart and if your goal is to put Jesus up front, that's what's going to happen. But if it's for you to put, to put you up front, that's going to happen too. What you draw them with is what you draw them to. I read the story how behind the pulpit of this church was this beautiful stained glass window and it had a depiction of Jesus on the stained glass window. One day this guest pastor spoke who was shorter than the regular pastor and so this little girl turned to the mom because the pastor's a little shorter. You can see the stained glass behind him better. This little girl turned to the mother and said, Where's the other man who stands there so we can't see Jesus? Oh, I hope that when I stand here that you go home, not saying, wow, Rick, that was a great message, but you go home saying, I saw Jesus. I got closer to Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about here. It's all part of the message of God. You find wisdom in what? In the message of God, Jesus Christ crucified. Let's go on here to number two in our outline. In the plan of God, we're we finding divine wisdom where in the man of God, in the plan of God. First, it's in the message of God, and now number two, in the plan of God. Take a look with me here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, Paul says, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So here Paul goes on and he says, hey, you know, we speak wisdom. We, meaning him, the apostles, those at that time were giving the word of God, were called to do that. Those whose writings we have now in our, our hands, the Bible, uh, he says, you know, we, the apostles, him and apostles, we speak wisdom. What's that? God's wisdom, God's divine wisdom. And he says, we speak among those who are mature. What's he talking about? He's talking about believers 
who have been powerfully saved and have, because they have seen the truth in the gospel, Jesus Christ crucified. And he says, yet, not the wisdom of this age. In other words, when we speak, it's not the, not the wisdom of this age. Or in other words, it's not the way the world is thinking here. It's not, it's not how they think. It's not the human wisdom, nor of the rulers of this age. In other words, the leading authorities, or maybe like the great people of the, of the world, or, or, or the thinkers, yeah, that have been uh, looked upon as, oh, great, you know, they're leaders in thinking and wisdom. Who those guys, he says, are coming to nothing. The original uh, word here in the Greek means empty. They're empty or it's futile. In other words, what they're saying, the, wi the human wisdom, their philosophy, it's not really uh, going anywhere here. Paul's saying, hey, the wisdom we speak is different than the way the world sees as wisdom. Now, you have to understand this church, the Corinthians church, it lived in a Greek city, the city of Corinth. That's right, Corinthian, Corinthian church. And in this Greek city were many philosophers, thinkers, people would debate, like debaters and speakers who were highly regarded as wise men. The Greeks love their knowledge. They love to talk philosophy. They love to, like, debate with one another. And, you know, they were very motivating. They were very uh, emotionally moving. They were entertaining. And if you think about it, people flock to hear that. I mean, it's like how people stand in line to hear motivational speakers, yeah? Or you get on PBS, you see a big crowd, you know, uh, watching one man, you know, saying some wise things of, in life. Or, I don't know, to me, sometimes I like to watch some of the news panels, you know, on the news shows, and they have a panel of people, and they're, like, talking and debating and giving their opinions. And so I like that sometimes. Oh, yeah, it's entertaining to see, ooh, got him, ooh, yeah, got him, and, you know, that kind of thing. So think about this. This, this is that, that what Paul is saying. Hey, you know, when we speak, it's, it's God's wisdom. It's not like what these guys are talking about. Verse 7. Paul goes on and says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which, verse 8, none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul's saying, hey, this wisdom, this divine wisdom, when we sp speak about, it was a mi mystery. It was hidden wisdom which God ordained. Now, what is he saying? Well, in the New Testament, when you come across this word mystery, it, it, it means something not clearly seen before, but now clearly revealed. That's what a mystery is in the New Testament. It's something not clearly seen before, but now it's clearly revealed. And what is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about how the Messiah was to come, and he was to come and die on the cross for our sins. That was hidden before. That wasn't super clear. Yes, there was prophetic scriptures, and we study that, and we see that now, but it wasn't seen that clearly. It wasn't ex expected in that way. But God has 
revealed that now. That's the mystery that Paul is talking about. That this mystery, mystery, God, it says in verse 7, God ordained before the ages for our glory. In other words, God had planned this way before time began, way before creation for our ultimate glory. In other words, how believers now can go to heaven, be glorified, be in glory. Which all of this, none of the rulers of this age knew. Who's these rulers? Well, I believe he's talking about the Jewish leaders, right? who manipulated things, who brought out false witnesses and manipulate the Roman government. So we have the Jewish religious leaders, those rulers, and the rulers also, the Gentile rulers, which the Roman government, Pilate and all those, they did not understand all this. They did not see this. The Jews, well, they didn't notice the Old Testament scriptures talking about this. The Pilate and the Roman soldiers, they were blind to God's sovereign divine plan for salvation, for life for believers. If they would have known and seen all this, you know what? They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have crucified Jesus. And I love this phrase, Lord of glory. It so speaks of Jesus Christ, the Lord the King, God the Son here. So what God had planned all along, the world can't see the wisdom in it. And what is that? That dying brings life. The cross is kind of crazy. We, we talked about that before. Jesus in John 12, 24 said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus had to die. Didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to the disciples even at that time. But this is the wisdom of God, how we can have forgiveness of sin, how we can have life, how we can go to heaven in a relationship with God. Take note, though, I like some of the commentators say that, you know, this was hidden, this wisdom, this mystery was even hidden from Satan and his demons. They did not see this coming. That's why it's hidden wisdom. Maybe God did that in, on purpose, you know, in the Old Testament that it wasn't totally, clearly evident, but it was after because so Satan would think that when he got into the mix here and Jesus died on the cross, they thought, they won, right? They thought they won. But actually what? They lost, right? Especially when Jesus rose again from the dead. Paul goes on here in verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those what a beautiful verse this is for us believers. Paul's basically quoting Isaiah 64 for us, sort of a, a loose quote, that when he says, that is, uh, but as it is written, it is written, he's quoting the Old Testament here, which he knows so well. And, you know, in Isaiah 64, 4, what was happening was Israel was in the Babylonian captivity, and uh, they were praying for deliverance. And so the promise came to them that, hey, you know, I haven't seen, you're heard, you know what, God's going to do it. Your God's going to do it for those who, who love him. Well, Paul, as he quotes this verse here, he's saying how, how this really, he's saying, you know, our own eyes, right, or our own ears can 
Well, our mind, the word heart really is speaking about our, our, our mind here. You know, cannot conceive of all the things God has for those who love him, who believe in him. Perhaps you've heard this verse, this scripture quoted at a funeral and, and talking about the amazing things that, you know, we might, we're going to see in heaven, huh? Eye hasn't seen, ear heard, you know, heart, heart went into the heart and all that. Well, let me tell you something. In context of how Paul is using this Old Testament reference verse, it's not so much about the future. Yes, we as believers, cool, right? We're going to see amazing things when we get to heaven. But in context, as Paul is talking about how the world cannot see the cross in his day, in context, it's not so much talking about the future, but right now, about a believer who comes to Jesus Christ and what he's going to experience. I mean, take a peek at verse 10. He says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He's saying right now God has revealed that. Your eye hasn't seen, you know, our perception of, of things. Our ear hasn't heard how we, how we listen and how we look at and all that. You know, we can't even conceive, you know, God's love, how he works. But he says, you know what? His spirit has revealed that to us. That means right now for believers. Here's Paul. Paul saying, hey, the world, they can't see the cross as we can, as this, this is life here. What kind of dying is life? What? No, here's what Paul is saying in all of this. Do not find life in man's philosophy, but in the plan of God. The cross is the wisdom of God. Do not find life, your life, what your life is about in man's philosophies, but in the plan of God for your life, which is the cross, and the cross is the wisdom of God. I don't know how you look at the cross. Right, we had we talked about cross this morning. Well, time is me, but you know, sometimes I think, oh yeah, Jesus died, you know, that's risen again, you know. But as we read the word, God educates us, God puts into us even more the impact of what Jesus did in dying on the cross for our sins. It really is. I guess in the, this day and age, as I talked about last time, you know, we wear crosses, we take crosses off. And, does this really impact us? Do we see it as God's wisdom? Do we really see his death, his life for us? Sometimes we don't see that. Paul saying, don't find life in man's philosophy. Don't, 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 you know, make this nothing. But the plan of God, the cross is God's wisdom. Some don't see that way. I read a story uh, after some frustration frustrated parents of a 10-year-old boy, they sent him to this private Catholic school, and they saw dramatic improvements on his math scores. Finally, this, this 10-year-old boy got A's throughout. Relieved, the parents, they were relieved that the boy was now not going to fail fifth grade. The parents asked him, hey, what happened here? Was it those nuns? No, said the boy. Was it, was it that one-on-one -on -one tutoring you got? No, said the boy. Was it the textbook maybe they used? Maybe it was that. Maybe it was the teacher. No, no, said the boy. I'll tell you what it was. From the very first day, 
I knew these guys were serious. To see up on the wall was a guy nailed to a plush car. They're really serious about math there, Billy. Well, you know what? The world gets it wrong, too, Billy. Yeah. The world sees the clock. Ah, we leave it alone. The clock. Ah, I, I don't get it. Ah, that's not important. You know what? The future, Billy. Yeah. You see, we're trying in all the ways. Remember back then, the cross, right, to them, it was an instrument of torture. Yeah. It was a, a place people were killed. It was a place where people were shamed, where they li were looked upon as failures. Well, think about these Greeks, these philosophers of Paul's day. They're going, what the cross? Jesus? What? You're saying it's about Jesus? He failed in life. He was crucified. Yeah, I heard the stories when he was walking with Peter Tom, but look, what? You want to follow this guy? No, let me tell you. Let me tell you, philosophers. Let me tell you, uh, Socrates and all these guys, right? No, but God's plan is the cross because there is salvation. There is justice for our sins, but there is forgiveness. There is righteousness for us. There is victory in that we're freed from our bondage to sin. And you know what? That's life, right? That's life. In there we see grace. In there we see love. The love of God for us. And let me tell you, there at the cross, we realize the wisdom that God had in the Son of God dying on the cross for our sins and, and giving us life. And now we're new creations. We find that now, we can be forgiven, and you know what? We can forgive others. We find love, and now we can love others. We find a relationship with God, and now our relationships can be healed with one another. That's life, you guys. That's life. Paul's saying, don't try and find your life in man's philosophies, but in the plan of God, and it's about the cross now. The cross is the wisdom of God. All right, let's move on. Number three in our outline, through the Spirit of God. We see in find in finding divine wisdom, one, it's in the message of God. Secondly, it's in the plan of God. And number three now, Paul says, it's through the Spirit of God, through the Spirit of God. This is our last section, rest of our verses, rest of our chapter here. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. All right, Paul goes on here and he says, but God has revealed them, what? The divine wisdom of God that saves, that forgives, that gives us new life, that powerfully transforms all of us. Somehow, God has revealed that wisdom through the Spirit. And who's that? The Holy Spirit. And so he explains, you see, the Spirit, he says, for the Spirit searches all things. In other words, the, the idea here in the original language is the Spirit has access then to all things about God. He knows everything about God. Yes, the deep things of God. He knows the deep things. He knows everything. He goes way deep, the Holy Spirit. Well, of course, right? 
because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, right? God is one, God in three persons, they're all one. They're, they know, they know, they know each other. The Spirit knows. Paul goes on to give this illustration in verse 11. He says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. The idea here is that, you know, who really knows a man? You know, who really knows what's inside of his mind? Right? No one does, right? No matter how close you are to a person, no matter how you and your wife, you know, they're one in the Lord, no matter how close we are, we really, really don't know exactly what's in their mind. We don't, because why? They're not inside their head, right? If we can crawl inside the head, then, oh, we can see. So Paul is saying, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Only the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's in the mind of God. So only the Holy Spirit can really communicate the mind of God. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying that the Holy Spirit is the agent that brings the truth of God's Spirit. He's the one. He's the only one who knows. Jesus said this, right, in John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Here we really see a beautiful picture of the Trinity, right? God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, right, as a man, rose again from the dead, went back up to heaven, and who's here with us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Verse 12. Now, Paul says, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So Paul goes on to, you know, us, Paul, the apostles, we, we've not received the spirit of the world or the thinking and the, it's not this world kind of thing that we brought in. No, not at all. But it's the spirit who is from God. It's the Holy Spirit that was sent just like what Jesus said. And why is that? That we might know the things that God has been free, freely given to us. God is freely giving us this wisdom, this knowledge, the gospel, the understanding. He wants us to know that. Verse 13, these things now, this wisdom from God that the Holy Spirit has brought that have been freely given, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So this wisdom that has been given, the wisdom of God, they speak. This is the gospel. This is the truth. This is the word from the Lord that that they are giving, the apostles and Paul, that's what they preach and teach. It's not man's wisdom. It's not human philosophy. It's not something we've inserted in, into that we're, we're giving you our opinions or well, our perceptions on this. No. The scripture tells us that they have been what? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not their own interpretation, but it's exactly what God wants us to think, to understand interpret and it's all by the holy spirit this last part in verse 13 is comparing spiritual things with spiritual that's a little hard in the translation uh the esv puts it as interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual but adam clark puts it this way i really like this he translates this 
explaining spiritual things to spiritual persons. In other words, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the Paul and the apostles to the true believers so that believers can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. What he's saying is that as spiritual persons, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Right? We talked about this before. Uh, believers are not only saved, they're in heaven, not only new creations, not only ad- adopted into the family of God, being children, sons and daughters of God, but what? Holy Spirit comes to live what? Inside of us, right? Later we're going to study that apostles were, were temple, the, the temple of the Spirit, right? So this Holy Spirit comes inside and lives within us. And this same Holy Spirit is the agent that teaches us God's truth. That when we hear the word being given, when we read the Bible, it helps us to comprehend God's truth, his wisdom. So as Paul and apostles preach the word back then, or as they write the word of God, and today we have it in our Bibles, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches and gives us, gives us understanding. But in contrast to that, look at verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For to them they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man, who's that? That's the unsaved person. That's not the spiritual person who has the Spirit in them. The natural man is the unsaved person. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And so they cannot receive this wisdom. They cannot receive the truth because they're spiritually discerned or they're unable to understand. They don't have the Spirit teaching and helping them in that way. But, verse 15, he who is spiritual, not natural, who's that? That's the spiritual, that's the saved person, judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Judges all things. Judges means he can evaluate. He can, through the Spirit, know that this is the truth of God and be spoken to by God's truth, by the Holy Spirit. The world cannot rightly judge. That's what Paul's talking about, right? The world cannot rightly judge the believer. No, not at all, because they look at it through foolishness. They don't, they don't have the Spirit. They can't say, you're wrong. You know, you're crazy. That's not the truth. I know it's the truth. How can you know me? You know the Spirit is speaking to you. Through the apostles and through uh, the Word of God, through Paul, he's saying, you know the Holy Spirit is teaching you, saying, this is the wisdom of God. It's that witness inside. You know, when you read the Word or you're listening to maybe someone preaching on the Word and your understanding is going, oh, I get it now. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. Oh, and, and, and it touches you. Who's that? That's that Holy Spirit witness inside you. So I hear is no unsaved person can say what the say that what the believer understands is foolishness. Ah, you're not good enough. You know, it's it's kind of like someone, um, you know, he 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 knows how to play the guitar. Uh, you know, or let me let me put it this way. It's like someone who doesn't know how to play the guitar telling someone who does know how to play the guitar what they're doing, you know, what they're doing wrong. Oh, it's all wrong. You can't play like that. Well, how do you know? You don't even play, right? It's it's crazy, right? How, how can you give me advice, coach me, when you don't even know how to play yourself, right? 
that's what Paul sees. He says, woe can come, and, and they have no basis. Have no basis because the Holy Spirit is the one who knows the mind of God. If the Holy Spirit who teaches us, then it's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So our very last verse this morning, the last verse in this chapter, Paul says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now Paul is, is basically quoting Isaiah 40:13, but what he's, what he's saying, he's saying, who really does know what's in God's mind anyway, okay? No one can, right? We are, what, finite human beings, right, even as believers, right? We, we can't, we don't know what God's thinking. We, we can't figure him out. You know, God is God, infinite, eternal, all-wise, all-knowing, creator, okay? And we think we can figure out what, what's in his mind? No, Paul says, who really knows that anyway? Then he says in verse 16, God. of the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. In other words, the, the very thoughts and wisdom, wisdom of God is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit so we can understand God's truth and wisdom. That's our last point for today. Only through the Holy Spirit are believers able to understand the divine truth and wisdom of God. That's our, that's what Paul is saying. You gotta see this. This is amazing. See, it's not about Paul or Apollos or Peter or any other person, right? It's not about giving this fancy speech to get people manipulate them or or emotionally entertain them or all that. No, it's about Jesus. And how we understand the the cross is the wisdom of God is through this very believers are able to understand that this divine truth, divine wisdom and wisdom of God, the Holy Spirit through whom he speaks. John MacArthur wrote, the spirit's transmission of God's truth is that of illumination and light bearers. The Holy Spirit gives the light, okay? The Holy Spirit turns on the light. Holy Spirit turns on the light. Oh, I see what it's saying. Uh, as I age, it seems like I need more light in my eyes. Right? I, I can't read sometimes. I gotta, I gotta get the black light sometimes. But oh, okay, I see what it's saying. Okay, that's the idea. The Holy Spirit is the illumination to the truth of God. Let me ask you today: When you open the Bible. When you sit down for your daily reading or devotions, when you start, or when you're studying maybe some chapters or passage, passages in the Bible, do you pray first? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to help you understand what you're about to read? You should, right? Because he's the agent. He's the teacher. He's the one inside of us that gives us that understanding. It's not our own, well, I'm too smart. I don't need the Spirit. No. No, we all need the Holy Spirit, each one of us. If you're not, you should be. That should be the first thing that you do is pray and ask the Spirit, ask God to send the Spirit to teach you what's in front of you. Psalm 119, 18, the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your 
has the Holy if you're a believer this morning, you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. When a miracle has happened, you know, if you think God doesn't work in your life, well, just accept that you have understood, embrace Jesus, receive of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, accept the Holy Spirit working, right? God is working in your life. If you are sitting here now today, and, and you know my, my heart, right? My mission is to bring to you the Word of God and so that you can connect to the Word of God, so you can understand that, that you can even go home today and open up Second First Corinthians chapter 2 and say, I get it. I know what Paul's saying there. That's, that's always my passion here for you guys. So if you can comprehend this passage, even a little bit of it, some of it, you know what? Because of the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit teaching you and the Holy Spirit working. Bill Bright, uh, Dr. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade, once was wit witnessing to a man who tried again and again to read the Bible, but he, didn't, he couldn't make any sense of it. Finally, though, one day this man received Christ, and, and he came back to visit um, Bill Bright, and he told him that during this past week, it seemed like someone had rewritten the Bible. Suddenly, the scriptures came alive, he was telling him. And he told him, understanding broke into his thoughts like lightning struck. I like how he puts that. What happened? How come before he read it, nothing happened? Well, when he received Christ, the truth of the Holy Spirit took up residence inside and illuminated, enlightened his mind. You see why now Paul says, you know, what we believe is not based on human works. It's not Jesus Christ dying on the cross, our salvation, our e eternal future secured, the new creation. It's not based on some human wisdom philosophy. You see why Paul's saying, I didn't come to you as like this philosopher, but an ambassador, as a witness to the truth of God. You see that it wasn't Paul who manipulated, persuaded people into the kingdom by this eloquent speech or human wisdom or fancy sayings. You know why? If they can be persuaded in by human wisdom, they could be persuaded out, right, by human wisdom. But it's not human philosophy. It's, it's God's wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit bringing the truth and powerfully changing people. Is that what's happening to you today? Is the Word of God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, teaching you, changing you powerfully? Is the Spirit really working? Right? You know, just side note, sometimes we can take the Word of God and, and find things that we want to use for our flesh. Excuses or support. Yeah, I can use the Bible to say, but is that the Spirit? No, it's our flesh, right? What's going on in your life? Is is nothing happening? The Spirit should be moving. If you're a believer, you should be hearing. You should be seeing all this. Perhaps, maybe, our hearts need some adjustment. I'll close with this. One pastor wrote how before cable television was available in his neighborhood. He had to use a TV antenna. But even with the antenna he put up, 
the reception was so bad, he couldn't quickly be called it to the repairman. Well, the repairman came and said, the problem is not the signal. The signal is strong. It's reaching your house. But the problem is this. The antenna is not pointed in the right direction. You see the repairman pointed it in the right direction, and it worked. Tell you, same thing happens in our lives. The word of God is strong. There's no problem with the signal, but our heart's antenna is not pointed in the right direction. Perhaps you're trying to mess with your image. Perhaps you're trying to get worldly wisdom and philosophy to fix a problem. Perhaps that your spiritual antenna, because of that, is not really pointed to finding it here in God's Word. And so you're not connected. You're not connected in letting the Holy Spirit speak, and you're not being sensitive and listening for Him. God gives us ears, but listen for the Spirit when He speaks to you, when He's leading. Not the world, not what the world says, not the philosophies of, of, of human beings, not, not even your own views or perspectives. Let all that go, and let the Spirit speak to you. Let the Spirit come in and, and powerfully change your, your core thinking, your, your core principles. We may have principles, but even principles can be a little bit off, too, right? Let it be the Word of God, the principles of God, His Word, His will. Seek that out. And then as believers, we can all be finding divine wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us, God, and your, your Holy Spirit, God, teaching us your word. God, bringing us illumination, bringing light to the truth, Lord, of your word that contains it. Lord, we know it's not us. We know that we cannot do things in our own strength. We cannot motivate ourselves or even free ourselves from our own sinful flesh. For only you can, and it's been done at the cross. And as we learn who we are, who you are, what you want us to do, what it means to be a Christian, and, and what, it, what it means that you died on the cross and rose again, what it means that we're new creation, what it, what it all means, Lord, we know we cannot understand and comprehend it without your Holy Spirit. So we thank you this morning that we have learned that it's the Holy Spirit, that he is important in our lives. Help us to pray and ask for the Spirit to give us understanding. Help us to keep our focus upon the wisdom of God, the cross of Christ, that it's there we find life, our purpose in life, our motive for action and our love for you. Oh, Lord, through this chapter today, help us, Lord, to be more aware, sensitive to your Holy Spirit, not just read the Bible to read it, but to learn, to grow, and to hear your voice speak.